Robots Radio. Games. Lore. Stories. Community. Just press play. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Robots Radio presents You're listening to the Dungeons and Dragons Lorecast The best way for everyone from experienced dungeon masters To those curious about D&D To learn more about the worlds, creatures, and lore of Dungeons and Dragons Hello and welcome to the Dungeons and Dragons Lorecast. My name is Sergio. And I am Mary. And we are ending the lore portion. We'll still have an episode next week on the last day of 2022. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's our it's our monthly uh, patron roundtable and we'll be wrapping up the year with uh, predictions looking into 2023. But mm-hmm. uh, we're going to, this is our last lore episode for the year and we've got a hum. Oh, I say this every week, right? It's a you humdinger. You say humdinger. That's the word. That that's, is the word you use. We don't even word. have episodes anymore. We just we have just have weekly humdingers. Like uh, <laughs> check out humdinger number one forty if you are interested in this or humdinger mm-hmm. episode you know yeah. one ten if you want exactly. to learn more about spelljammer. <laughs> but exactly. This this is gonna be this if, it's a hefty. If, if ever the term humdinger was appropriate, it is for this week. The hummest. <laughs> Dingers? The the dingerest of hums <laughs> is is this week because we're talking yeah. about uh we're talking about the the biggest and the baddest. Mary, who mm. who are we digging into this week? We are I'm not digging in. That's rude. And I would not I would not do such transgressions because I don't want wrath against oh, yeah. me for such things. We are True. honoring <laughs> Tiamat the five-headed dragon known as Tiamat and by so many other names I was writing these out one right after the other and my brain just immediately goes into um just Bruce Buffer (laughs) listing the names right right that's how my brain read it that's not how you're getting it but that's what I heard I mean, no, so, like sort of like, uh, you know, like uh, it's like time for the the title bout, yeah, you know, in, in a boxing on a boxing card. Yes, or UFC. exactly. The bane of Bahamut, creator of evil dragon kind, dark lady, the mini mod, the nemesis of the gods, queen of chaos. Nemesis of the gods is pretty dope. <laughs> That's a pretty good, yeah, it, I do. There is actually an explanation for how that one got done. Some of these seem, I mean, pretty pretty self-explanatory. The Archdevil, the Avaricious, the Bane of Bahamut, Queen of Evil Dragonkind, Queen Dragon, Dark Lady, 
all of these things. And now we can add to this list Takesis as yep. well. Officially, 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 officially. So I guess I could say with confidence, I'm pretty sure most of us that have played or dabbled in D&D know and recognize this beast by name. And if not that, I don't know that there's anyone I have ever met that hasn't at least seen at least one image of her. Tiamat is the chromatic dragon. Totally, you know, a boring, normal dragon with five separate heads. Just one your of these, normal, just run a run-of-the-mill run dragon, five-headed dragon with with five heads. Like it's it's fine. Don't worry about it. It's totally not problematic for anybody that runs into her. <clears throat> so each of these heads is a different color of chromatic dragon. One for each one. You know, green, blue, white, red, and black. They operate independently from one another though they are somehow still able to cooperate and coordinate attacks during battle, which is also terrifying. These five heads all have the abilities and powers of their respected species of dragonkin. Um, the five heads taper down to a body with legs that were described as stubby in one of the resources I found, and I can't imagine saying that to her face this like you got some real stubby legs you're big and impressive but you got the little short legs the little corgi legs corgi dragons you're like the the dachshunds of, of dragon <laughs> gods it's true <laughs> they got the little munchkin legs <laughs> um but these all the colors then blend together and end in this end her tail which is Long and shaped like that of other wyverns, but it ends in a stinger, much like a scorpion, that is capable of injecting foes with a venom that causes a violently painful death. Wouldn't expect anything other than that, of course. I would, mm -hmm. I'd be more shocked if it was just like, oh, just a regular tail that doesn't it's do anything evil or violent. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, because of... Her massive size, um, she's said to be about 50% bigger than other full-grown ancient dragons. So just dragon and a half. She needs, yeah, she needs the girth uh, <clears throat> to handle the extra weight of the extra heads for sure. Makes sense. Oh, Makes for sure. sense from a, like, a, uh, you know, anatomy standpoint. Right, right. In D&D &D biology. Right. <laughs> so because of this massive size, while she's on the ground, it's basically impossible for her to use kick attacks, claw attacks, things like that. But she is very skilled at those when in flight and fighting. As far as personality goes, she is greedy. One of her names literally means that. <laughs> um, she's filled with that insatiable dragon nature that is stereotypical of all of them. Loves treasure but didn't like doing the legwork herself and preferred to have it brought to her as gifts rather than, you know, having to put in too much work. Sounds like uh, my children. <laughs> so, yeah. Give me all the gold, but I don't want to go do it myself. It's like, But I just want it to just be given to me. I want it, but I don't want to have to do anything for it. So I can't just like have it because I'm, well, I mean, I assume she wants it because she's pretty. Um, arrogant hateful vain vain there you go uh, there it is 
Tiamat is filled with spite and has never been known to forgive a slight against her, which to me seems like maybe she's hoarding those as well. Again, um, so far, she, so it's so far, it seems on brand pretty for her. Standard, yeah, standard dragon fare. Um, she hates mortals, seeing them only as a means to an end, pawns in her schemes, uh, completely disposable. When the situation called for it, however, she could be very, very charming. But eventually, um, her narcissism would take over and her true colors would show. Her hobbies included trying to take control of the realms, which were thwarted time and time and time again by her enemies, which I'm thinking that probably makes them yeah, the like good guys. Enemies of the, the bad evil, guy, evil dragon goddess, mm-hmm, probably mm-hmm, good mm-hmm. guys. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Lawfully evil, though. I mean, still evil. Still evil. That's fair. So she developed this special interest in gaining control over Unther and Chacinta. And after the spell plague, she sought to control the dragon empires of Lairacon, Morgum, and Tamanther, which is the dragonborn capital that was transported from Toril, excuse me, to Toril from Eber during the spell plague. But she didn't like to leave her cave, so she typically used her church or her various agents in the cult of the dragon. Makes sense, makes sense. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Although, um, once we got to about the year 1491 DR, which was the year of the Scarlet Witch, her primary goal was escaping the Nine Hells. And since, you know, she doesn't like to leave, she had... Many aspects, many various avatars, and some vessels as well, and identities. Um, So she had three main avatars that were utilized. There was the Dark Lady, who was a Mulan woman with long dark hair, pure black eyes, um, who wore only dark robes, and often was described to have a seductive smile playing across her lips. So beautiful goth chick smiling at you. I get it. I mean, I might convert <laughs> in this day and age, like insert Tiamat, insert the dark lady into mm-hmm. 2022 current society. Oh, yeah. Like she's making a killing on any kind of subscription website. Uh huh. You know, uh-huh. she's got, you know, the, the IG is, is on and popping. It's, you know, oh, yeah. tons of followers be popping off. Right. So, I mean, right. You know, I get it. Yeah. I, 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 mean, like, I can't even be mad. Exactly. Okay. Anyone who's like, oh, man, I got, you know, seduced by Tiamat. She was in her dark lady, guys. And I'm like, hey, don't even. Bro, me too. Even, Knuckle yeah. bumps and everything. I, mm-hmm. I like I'm not even going to like it hasn't happened to me, but only because like, you know, the situation hasn't arisen. But if, <laughs> you know, if it were to like, yeah, we'd be in the <laughs> same seat. <laughs> Pretty much. Uh, another form is chromatic dragon, which we have already described. The five-headed version, the one we know the most. Slightly less seductive. Less slightly seductive, more terrifying. But also, but I, I would say that probably just as successful, but for different reasons. <laughs> that yeah, intimidation, true. though. That intimidation, though. That would get me. Um, And the undying queen, which is the same as the chromatic dragon, but happens to be a dracolich instead. So they just keep getting worse. It just like just somehow. Somehow. Wow. One of her aspects was a just this 
random old guy named um, Chassar, which whenever I looked up the abbreviation, I've read this the entire time is Chassar because of the, you know, pronunciation guide. So you're welcome. Um, so this human warlord oh, geez. <laughs> became a god for a little bit, but he happened to also be a red dragon in disguise. He's described as a force of pure evil and chaos um, and appeared to be much younger than he truly was. and was a very distinct red dragon, though. Um, he had, instead of being, you know, as what is typical for that species of dragon, he had solid black eyes, wings, and had uh, black serrated horns as well. So he's a little, a little bit different, but fitting with thematically with a warlord, I guess what you would assume colors would be. So one of her manifestations uh, never left the gate to Dis, which is in Avernus. That's the gateway to the second layer of hell. She also manifested um, as as Harul. Um, this is one of the public faces that she utilized, especially when fighting with different foes so that she could keep her real body tucked away safely in her lair because you got to look out for number one through five of course right <laughs> um as harul is a dragon god he's uh mentioned in first and third editions um that lived in the dragon Irie. um he was a foul-tempered old dragon which i identify with um whose body was covered in long sharp Barbs. He ruled the lowest region of the Dark Roots in a place called the Dragonspawn Pits. So he was a deity in the Draconic Pantheon and was therefore a rival of hers. Um, she, during this, I'll, I'll explain it more in depth, but in the year 1371, um, she was able to kill him <laughs> while in his realm. So she subsumed his divine essence. And then kept him as a puppet in that place um, secretly. So everybody thought it was still him, but not so much. She renamed the Dragonspawn Pits after the dissolution of the Untheric Pantheon and renamed it the Cave of Greed. I love the, I love like whenever, like, and it's like very like Highlander-esque, which maybe is like kind of where like the... <clears throat> the Highlander mythos gets, you know, got that idea from is like, if you kill a God, like you like essentially like get everything from them. You like, should take. Yeah, very much. So I, I like that because it also gives them, I don't know, I guess that gives the gods more facets and gives the opportunity for them to shift in their, Ooh, excuse me, in their power. Yeah. etc. Um, so prior to this dissolution, she had had a place in the Entheric Pantheon and a realm in Ziggoraxis. Aside from that realm, she also inhabited a few others, including Tiamat's Lair on Avernus. And as we now know um, that she's Takesis, she was able as well. Um, Takesis was known to maintain a separate divine realm than Tiamat um, that was called Abthalan. Abthalum or the nether reaches which was also on Avernus so we talked last week was it last week about Bahamut it was last week it was a little uh dragon god twofer a, a little, little two, yeah little a little, 
well, two for one. Um, it feels like it's been a month because this month, this week has been a month long. Um, but absolutely. So we discussed him a little bit. If you didn't listen yet, go back and check that episode out. Um, but she and her brother are complete polar opposites of one another. He is the bright, shining light, you know, the good one, the do-gooder, the best boy. And she yeah. is evil and greedy. Yeah, he's a little bit country. She's a little bit rock and roll. That's absolutely. And I, man, I guess that puts me on her side because I do not care for country music. Not you on just, board. You haven't, you haven't heard of the right one. Country music is great. It can be great. About it, it can be great. You're the one being a hipster. Like, oh, listen to country music. I don't. No, really I just don't. I don't care for it. It doesn't do anything for me, bruh. Listen to um, some. Uh, oh, I can't remember her name. Uh, keep going. Keep talking about Dungeons and Dragons, and I'll. I'll try. You're to gonna randomly it. pop off with someone's name, Caitlin and I'm, Smith. I'm ready. Listen for to it. Caitlin oh. Smith. We'll see. Anyway, this reflection, this relationship, I love that we are now arguing it because this relationship is reflected in their followers <laughs> as well. <laughs> so they were often at each other's throats, bickering consistently. Um, She's also at odds with her brother, Noel. Um, although the reason for that was not, it was kind of lost to time. And after the end of this episode, I think we'll all understand why that kind of just got kind of got lost in there uh he knows the dragon god of death and undeath uh duality of nature he was both the reaper and the guardian of the lost ferried the souls of the dragons to the death area and stood between their resting soul souls and the things that may try to follow them into death from their lives so she's also at odds with this god um she was able to make a servant of the god of kobolds Kurtulmak, and eventually uh, she was able to join the Faerunian pantheon. But when she did so, she faced some opposition from Iachu Svim, I think is how it's pronounced. I could not find a good pronunciation for it. Later also faced opposition from his father, Bane. I mean, as far as like pronunciations go, like unless some, like someone comes out, like Ed Greenwood <laughs> comes out or you know uh oh, man. baker comes out and it's like you know like yeah, essentially a... the creator of the character comes out <laughs> and it's like oh no it's pronounced like this and i just pronounce it however you want like you know mm. i'm not going to argue on a message That's... board about pronunciations <laughs> about a made up character in a fantasy realm they are all made up there's again that's not a name that's made up <laughs> that's that's not a name <laughs> that's not a name so among these um among those that she counted to be her enemies was also the god Ilmater. Um she had also made an enemy of Memon, who is also known as Menaris. It's an archdevil viscount who was potentially the richest being in existence, and he had slighted her by converting some of her evil dragons over to worshiping him instead. And as you told us, a slight is not to be forgotten you by Tiamat. Exactly. She's not going to let that go. She's just going to hang on to it. A lot of enemies. A lot of enemies for... She has... Yeah. For a evil five-headed dragon, she's got a couple folks that are not fans. I mean... I'm not really surprised, though. I mean, very... 
I, I would argue that Tiamat is the Drake of Dungeons and Dragons. Because she's she's got enemies, got a lot of enemies, got a lot of people trying to drain her of her energy. And I hate how wrong or how wrong, how right you are. I mean, when you Hold think on. about it, in more ways than one, Tiamat is the Drake of D D. We'll let the, the listeners decide. Are you I'll cracking up? Are you like in. losing it right now? No. No, no, no. Whatever. She was coughing. It's like, hold on, wait. We don't. You okay. muted yourself for a second. I'm like, she's losing it. She's like, I, I, I was... broke her. <laughs> I, I, it... I finally broke her with oh, my give ridiculous it time. comments. It'll happen. It'll happen eventually. And I'll just be like super quiet for a few seconds. And there will be a few initial starts to a word, but nothing will amount to anything that's actual English. That's how you'll know that's your indicator there um so she did have quite a few enemies as you know folks are prone to doing when they're evil um but she was able to have some folks allied with her as well um she had some um she had treated with um with gith who is a gith yankee leader whom she formed a social contract with she was loosely allied with bell going as far as to lend him troops um she let him use a lot of abishai which are some scaly devils, um, whenever he was fighting in the blood war. She helped Asmodeus forge his ruby rod, which I believe we discussed on the yeah. episode regarding him. We definitely talk Asmodeus for sure. And his ruby yeah. rod, his his ruby rod of power. That's right. That's right. Yes, we did discuss that back on the other episode. Um, these two alliances, however, were not permanent um, and were changed when they betrayed her which i will cover when we get to her history we're given a brief rundown and then some in-depth stuff afterward so she was also known to keep um one consort of each of the species of chromatic dragons um, calling on them to go and populate the world to spread out and fill it with her spawn in an attempt to extend her reach across the world to gain more power because more power comes from more followers for gods oh i thought you were gonna say more power more problems oh yeah absolutely mo money mo problems mo right, power right. more problems right 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 90s kids for the win <laughs> that's what that was <laughs> um as far as her church went and her followers um she would only allow truly evil clerics to join the ranks of her church. Yeah, she wanted none to of make this, sure, you know, oh, I'm evil. You got to really be evil. You got to be really evil. And I need to know that you have no morals. You can't even have one. Like if you ever one. return the shopping cart to like the bin in the parking lot, you are not allowed to be it's... a cleric of Tiamat. Started to say returned, and I thought you were gonna say if you ever rewound a movie before taking it to Blockbuster. That too. That if you ever did either <laughs> one of those things, don't even bother don't even, darkening yeah, don't... Tiamat's doorway. <laughs> you sure. have you have at least a glimmer of light in that dark heart of yours. You are not truly evil. You're not truly evil. Oh man, if chaotic you were ever evil. Once were you just kind enough to rewind? <laughs> have you ever been kind and rewind so <laughs> within her church they also had to follow a very strict hierarchy of titles and ranks which 
again, not super surprising. Um, her tarics, her clerics were tasked with gathering wealth for the church and for their faith while simultaneously sabotaging other deities as they could because they wanted to weaken anyone that was an enemy of hers. Right, right. Much of their... the, you know, like, like you said earlier, like the amount of followers is equal, like that equals to the amount of power a god has. Oddly enough, it also relates to social media, and uh, that's a little, uh, little sad. All right, so these uh, her clerics were spent much of their time in acts of vandalism, theft, you know, doing arsons and or assassinations. All the fun in stuff order to that you would do thin out on a normal yeah. weekend. It's a normal run of the day thing. Just, just an average Tuesday in the Church of Tiamat. So. In Chessex and Unther, they were primarily focused on gaining power while the clerics that followed her in Faerun were busying themselves with subverting power from the cult of the dragon by infiltration. So aside from her relationship with her clerics and her church, uh, she was also known in Unther for battling with other members of the Pantheon, and then became their scapegoat for every single setback that Unther had, which eventually ended in Gilgayan uh, getting defeated by her, which I will tell the story for that later. In addition to the many even evil dragons that followed her since they first appeared on Toril, she gained more dragonborn followers as well after the spell plague occurred. And the kobolds believed her to be their creator, though they don't worship her as a god, which I found interesting. It is interesting. You made us, but we don't thank you for this. <laughs> I mean, kobolds, you know. They're gonna, they're... Yeah, like six of them in a trench coat. That's, so that's us. <laughs> so... As far as her origins and history go, before we get too, too far into it, the little bitty brief overview beforehand, because it's it's a lot. <laughs> um, there had been a debate for ages as to whether or not Tiamat is truly a deity or not. Many believed she was a mortal dragon whose power was so vast, she became widely revered by chromatic dragons as their queen. Others say she's the archetype for all evil dragon kind while still others believed her to be a demon or a devil or that Tiamat is actually just the avatar of some other deity. Right, like, you know, a Bane or as Asmodeus. Right. Another, you know, this guys. Is just a, yes, exactly, exactly. Whatever the case, um, all they knew for certain was that she is an exceptionally powerful being and is worshipped by evil dragons as a goddess. So according to the sages of 14th century DR, Tiamat was considered a goddess. She came into being uh, when the first dragons were born and when the draconic pantheon also came into being. But the, you know, a century later, 15th century sages say, yeah, maybe. I know, I know she's obviously divine in nature, but since her origins are tied to the prime material plane, she can't possibly be a god, as the gods of the Outer Plains are different from her on like a, I would say a composition basis, but I know that's, they're composed of different things than her. But that's right. Not uh, eh. Genetically doesn't work either, but you get the drift. Basically, 
we're not completely sure. And there are many stories on how she came to be. One of the more commonly accepted stories is that she and Bahamut are siblings and that they are the children of Asgarath in a bear. Some dragonborn believed her to have been born of a corpse alongside this brother. Um, when the Io, which is Asgarath's more commonly known name, was killed during the Dawn War. There is a tale uh, called The Elegy for the First World that claims both she and Bahamut came from uh, the vast primordial chaos when time itself began. Right, right. And I, I I think that's what I subscribe to is just like these, like Bahamut and Tiamat are, you know, these beings of just, you know, that are essentially personifications of these like feelings and emotions and mm-hmm. and ideologies. Mm-hmm. Right. They're very much the light and the dark, the duality of literally everything and everyone, but it's personified and separated essentially. Right. Whatever the case is, um, she rapidly amassed followers, um, a very especially among the red, green, and blue dragon communities. And it seems that regardless of which story, doesn't matter which origin story you believe, general consensus is she is as old as time. So a little excerpt from the Elegy of the First World, which I thought was neat, um, is Breathe, Dragons, Sing of the First World. Scattered in infinite seedling realities. Sing of Bahamut and Tiamat, watching it sundering, mourning their labor. Sing too of Sardior, sundered, consciousness scattered in minuscule fragments. Breathe, dragons, your inheritors, ruling the wreck of the first world's destruction. I love it. I love it. I, love I, do, it. Yeah, I absolutely, such a poetry nerd. I can't help it. So according to this poem, she and Bahamut emerged from the primeval chaos and together they created a world, which is called the first world in this poem. We know it as the prime material plane. They then created the god Sardior uh, to help in the creation of the rest of dragon kind. Together, they created the first chromatic and metallic dragons. They were then a little later uh, invaded by the gods of the outer planes. She and Bahamut fought together against these gods. Um, and Tiamat continued to fight against them even after they had defeated her brother. Eventually, they were victorious over her as well, though it took their combined powers to do so. They won and locked her away in a dark or in a prison of darkness, um, which we also know to be her place on the nine hells. But there's debate about this imprisonment as well, because there's so many stories out there that the water's real muddied. So you can kind of believe what you want. Some say she was sent to the Nine Hells as a punishment. This was her sentence for opposing the gods when they arrived on the prime material plane. Others say she chose to go there. But... Others, according to some of the myths of the giants, say that the end of the Thousand Year War came about because of a curse that struck when Tiamat had killed an unknown giant deity. A giant deity, like, of the giants, not just his size. Right, right. Pretty sure he's probably a big guy anyhow. Yeah. Regardless anyway, of, like, exactly regardless, the, the, the semantics of it. It's probably the semantics. Probably a big old, big old guy. Big old. Anyway, she killed this deity. Um, 
and this curse that was unleashed cool. when he yeah right not cool don't do it she gets cursed by that left leaves her an involuntary prisoner of tiamat's lair in avernus and the only way that she was able to leave from there was through a very complicated powerful ritual that is our brief rundown yes brief i <laughs> i did some i did summarize a bit <laughs> um on tiamat think after the middly bits of the show we can go through some of the thicker history in more detail and more in depth yeah absolutely let's go let's yeah let's talk some middle of the show and mm-hmm. then we'll get back and get into the the, the nitty gritty of it all in the thick short stubby legs of it you know don't don't say that out loud don't that, <laughs> oh man we're we're screwed <laughs> Welcome to the middle of the show where we talk about all the things that are just way too middly to discuss in the first half or the second half. They have to go like right, right in the center. They've earned their place. They have. You know, they've earned their place on that plateau of the middle of the show. We are. Yeah, we're way too middly to talk about at at the beginning of the show. And way too middly to talk about at the end of the show. Like exactly. This is where we belong. And one of those things is thanking our patrons. Thank you so much to all of our patrons at uh, patreon.com slash D&D Lorecast. It is uh, your Patreon support that allows us to have these plans in place for 2023, including new merchandise. Uh, so we get to uh, pay artists, you know, uh, to, to do what they do, to create art. And uh, then we can put that art on t-shirts and stuff uh and then also <laughs> the magic item of the week dm's guild uh yes. booklet that we're working on as well again getting to pay artists to do what they do and and we get to have you know all of this all the cool stuff that we've created over the past 40 years from uh from tom and from Stuart and from crit and from mary and myself uh, all that yes. stuff gets to go into this and it's something that you know like uh as tangible as a pdf gets you know, mm-hmm, something mm-hmm. tangible that you can hold in your hands and, and say like, hey, I helped uh, I helped make this. So thank you so much. Mm-hmm. That means the absolute world to us. And if you want to support the show in other ways, you can do so by leaving five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify. You can also follow us on social media, essentially everywhere. And like we, we've got a Twitch channel uh, in the making. We've got a TikTok in the making. We've already... Uh, We've launched the uh, the Instagram uh, and uh-huh. we'll be more active on that. Mm-hmm. But essentially everywhere you can think of, we are D-N-D Lorecast. We are building, we are under construction, we are expanding. Oh no, yeah, we're we're expanding at a, at a rapid pace. And again, it's, mm-hmm. it's thanks to the support of the community. Uh, it is. You know, whether it be on Patreon, whether it be so following us on social media, retweeting us, liking our, liking our stuff. Uh, it's all very much appreciated. And, mm-hmm. uh, and the, for me, like my favorite part about the community is the robots radio network discord where we have our own channel. It's pretty great because it's essentially like a chat room for the show and for D and D in general. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you can jump on there and talk all sorts of stuff, you know, uh, talk yeah. about the, the crazy things Mary or I say in the last episode, <laughs> uh, like our, <laughs> like dumb references to nineties hip hop. Oh, or uh, yeah. sitcoms or to obscure references that nobody but Sergio has ever heard of because I, those happen too 
there's been uh, there's someone people get my references at least one person someone gets my references somebody out there and once i find that person we might have to fight to the death (laughs) that can only be one right exactly it's like that it's like highlander another another reference there it is uh which i've already referenced highlander once this episode so i'm getting getting a little you're gonna have to throw one more in at the end or it won't be balanced gonna have to um so yeah, again, thank you to the community. <laughs> I mean, the I feel that 2022 has been the biggest year for the for the Lorecast since it started back in 2020, and mm-hmm. I feel that 2023 is only going to be better. It's going it to get bigger. It's going to get better, and so yeah. So thank you for for joining us for uh, for the ride. Oh, absolutely. And as far as D and D news goes, well, the latest one D and D survey is out. Um, if you are interested in taking your part, taking taking part in crafting and molding the latest uh, revision or edition of Dungeons and Dragons, by all means, take the survey. You know, answer the questions. You know, this this is where you know you are able to tell Wizards of the Coast, like, hey, this idea that you have works. This idea that you have yep. doesn't doesn't really work, and I, I have something that can make it better. Or this idea is absolute garbage fire. Burn it. Burn it. Send it to Avernus. <laughs> Let Tiamat deal with it. Let Tiamat deal with it. Um, and uh, and speaking of 1D&D, there has been a bit of a kerfuffle about the open game license yes. for, uh, for the upcoming edition, revision, whatever exactly it ends up being. Uh, we here at the Dungeons & Dragons lore cast... Uh, we want to take a bit of a um, like sort of a hesitant approach to you know yes. say one thing or the other because we're not exactly sure like we we're not exactly sure what's going to happen you know yeah. as as much as we have tried our uh, crystal balls do not tell us uh, what's going to happen in the future they don't um, but you know we're hopeful we're hopeful that the the changes that are made are made with the um best intentions to facilitate and and nurture the third party community mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. uh while also absolutely well also you know obviously you know hasbro the parent company of wizards of the coast is a corporation and corporations gonna corporation and they're in the money making business yep. and so hopefully they strike a fair balance between trying to you know make money and also, you know, not pushing out third-party content. Right. Because Absolutely. third-party content is the backbone of D&D. Right. You know, without that, you know, the game isn't nearly as fun as it could be. Exactly. Absolutely agree. I I, I do hope, like I was saying, I hope that they, um that it's done in a way that it's revised to help protect and encourage creativity within the community because it's man y'all are just the DD community is just amazing it is there is so much just creativity and that spark and that drive to be a part of a community be a part of something bigger than you and i'm really really hopeful that it continues to foster that type of environment for folks like us no exactly i mean like i can't tell you how many awesome people I have met because through, through this podcast, through the lore cast and through mm-hmm. the, you know, third party community, 
It's Absolutely. like some of my absolute favorite content is third party because mm-hmm. it's it comes from so many different perspectives and so many different points of view. And, you know, that and, and it can get weird. It can get super strange. Like, you know, like One Night Straw <laughs> is something that, you know, Wizards would never release because it's so outside the box. It is. It is. And and I they are also beholden to upholding a certain type of standard. So it I think if it were done in a way to remove the permissions for third party, it would ultimately cripple them as well. No, absolutely. I, I wholeheartedly agree. And so like I said, I I I we have our you know, our hopes set that, you know, when all the dust settles that, you know, a, a good compromise is found between oh, yeah. Hasbro trying to make money because that's right. what I they're get it. trying that's, to do. That's yeah, that's why they exist. I understand. And also third party creators being able to, you know, do it continue you know, continue how they've been doing it and mm-hmm. you know whether it's like they they do it for a living or they do it as a side hustle or they do it just for mm-hmm. fun you know for s's mm-hmm. and g's you know however they choose to create the content right for whatever purpose they're con- they can they are able to continue doing so and additionally before we jump into the dms guild and do some awesome third-party content mm-hmm. uh this slipped through the cracks i didn't realize this but speaking of tiamat Tyranny of Dragons, which is uh-huh. the campaign that combines Horde of the Dragon Queen and the Rise of Tiamat, yep. uh, is getting a re-release. So mm-hmm. prior, they had a like alternate cover version that you could still find online for you know uh, upwards of a hundred dollars. It yeah. combines both those books. So Horde of the Dragon mm-hmm. Queen, Rise of Tiamat, like Horde of the Dragon Queen is the first half, right? Yes. Like levels one through eight or so. Rise mm-hmm. of Tiamat is you know nine through you know the end of the campaign. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are re-releasing both in a hardcover with a fantastic Tiamat uh, cover art on it uh, uh, on January 17th. Oh, so I know what I'll be getting on January 17th. Understood. No, and I, I mean, I've always wanted that alternate cover version. But I'm like, oh, I can't justify spending that much money on it. Uh, I've got like the, the Horde of the Dragon Queen and Rise of Tiamat, you know, separately. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I have the PDF versions of them. They are what inspired me to DM. There you go. That and Dark Dice. So and if you are Dice, one of, of Mary's players, you take it up with Tyranny of Dragons yep. and Dark Dice. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, they absolutely will. <laughs> but yeah, that's coming out on, like I said, January 17th. So Beautiful. perhaps a belated Christmas present for your for yourself or for another D&D loving uh, friend or family member friend or foe what friend or, i was gonna up. say foe i was like and what better way to you know make a friend out of a foe than be like hey i know you like D or... here is a badass tyranny of dragons collector's edition with an awesome TMR. that's how you confuse them that's keep them on their toes or you're still you still want them to be a foe but now you want you know to have the upper hand you want mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. you want to roll with advantage on your next encounter exactly uh, but yeah, we'll post a picture of this on our Twitter and on the Discord of, course, of, of the cover. It's it's dope. It's awesome. I mean, it's TMI. And the Instas, of course. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, the Instas. Yeah, the, we, the, we, you got to put it on the Instas. I literally you just plugged that. Just plugged that. So <laughs> what does the DMs Guild have for us this week? Well, again, speaking of Tiamat, we've got Creatures of Tiamat, a pay-what-you-want with a suggested price of $2 from Anders and Ingberg. This is a collection of 21 creatures that's inspired by the third uh, 3.5 edition of the 
Monster Manual 4 mm -hmm. for use in your campaigns and adventures. Uh, these creatures were created with the Tyranny and of Dragon storyline and its adventure hooks in mind. Uh, or you could just use them as just common creature encounters in the aftermath of Tiamat's you know, potential victory. Um, and additionally to that, they've also got um, creatures. Uh, uh, they've got two other items. Additional, yeah. Yeah, creatures of undeath and creatures of the Underdark. So if you want to run like a spooky campaign or if you're running uh, right. Curse of Strahd or something in Ravenloft, you can definitely check those out. a few more little horrors to throw at them. I do love that um, in Creatures of Tiamat, the last one that's listed in there is the Red Spawn Fire Belcher. Yep. The Fire and, Belcher. Uh, I like the White Spawn Ice Skitter. Yeah, it's a nice name too. They, that's, a, that's a lot of fun. These are pretty good. But no, yeah, these are all from the 3.5, like I said, Monster Manual 4. Nice. Been converted to 5th edition. Like I said, it's pay what you want, but there is a suggested price of $2. So mm -hmm. like I said, uh, help support your third-party creators. Yes. And uh, like I said, it's got uh, four and a half star reviews. So not bad. Not bad at all. But on that note, speaking of something not being bad, let's let's get back to something that is bad. Very evil. <laughs> like, where, where are we going with this? <laughs> we're, going, we're going evil. We're going. Yeah, we are. You ready we're to not... uh, discuss history? And I, when I say very evil, I, I'm not just talking about Danhausen evil. I'm talking Tiamat evil. That's oh, a God. wrestling reference. I know our patron text Ten Star will get it. I he is not. a fellow wrestling nerd, just like me, baby. <sighs> These nerds—they're everywhere. It's a mess. Let's get back to, let's get back to the. <laughs> Speaking show. of a mess, let's go. <laughs> Okay, so welcome back from the middle of the show. There was so much middle. It's bigger than a double stuffed Oreo in there. Um, we are going to get into discussing the thickest part of the history um, of Tiamat, starting with the Dragonfall Wars. It's, yeah, let's start at the very beginning. Let's, let's start. So the time of dragons had begun. It was a time period around negative 30,000 DR to 24,000 DR-ish, also known ish. as the ish. I mean, it's an approximation. It's like 45,000 years in the past in yeah, in D&D world. Right. It's, it's like, like it's, it's 45,000 years it's ago. It's like 45,000 years. Like, I think we can allow approximate. Allow me some like, yeah, some wiggle room. <laughs> There's some wiggle room. Um. So this was a time when the creator species disappeared from Toril, and the lands were occupied by dragons and giants. Although these dragons and giants are different from the ones we would see present day, uh, they were far more powerful back then. It's kind of diluted since that point. After the creation of the dragons and once established, the different types of them began to fight with one another mostly on account of religious ideals. Eventually, this fanaticism subsided and calmed, and the draconic philosophers decided that any gods that would allow this type of behavior among their followers weren't deserving to be worshipped. Oh, wow. They hadn't earned our faith. This led to the indifference toward the gods from the dragons, which lasted for thousands of years. Though that did nothing to halt the battle between Tiamat and Bahamut. 
or their followers. This biddle, biddle, <laughs> uh huh, it's a word. This bitter rivalry continued on, and this conflict between them came to be known as the Dragonfall War. At the beginning of this war, Tiamat created the Dragon Spawn, also known as the Spawn of Tiamat. Um, they were a twisted creature descended from actual dragons. They were everything that Bahamut's uh, dragonborn were not. That sounded like I said porn, so I'm going to re-say it. <laughs> Let's start uh, from the very from the beginning of the... At the beginning the, of the war? Yeah, the... Uh, well, yeah, the, because... um, the bitter, the bittle bitter. <laughs> the bittle bitters? Yeah. Oh my god, because I don't want dragon porn to be... I, like, <laughs> Sherry was like, sometimes I hate you, and I was like, why? It's like, because like now I've got stuck in my head. It's porn. <laughs> That's your job as a husband. Right? Yeah. To ruin things. Okay. So this bitter rivalry continued on in the conflict between them came to be known as the Dragonfall War. At the beginning of this war, Tiamat created the Dragon Spawn, also known as the Spawn of Tiamat. Uh, they were a twisted creature that were descended from actual dragons and were everything that Bahamut's dragonborn were not. These two species were the antithesis of each other. She brought them into existence in order to wipe out his followers. Which makes sense. I mean, like Tiamat and Bahamut are like polar opposites of each other. It would make sense yeah. that, you know, they're, they're progeny. Right, their creations, would... their children, yeah. etc. Mm-hmm. So she later went as far as to send fully formed spawns to her followers in some of the temples. Um, they were to spread her children across the world in order to aid her. Uh, it was done so in secret as she wanted to keep her will and actions hidden from the world. Can't nobody thwart your plans if they don't know there's plans happening. This war continued on waxing and waning as time passed uh, with the final era of intense battle um, Occurring between negative 2087 DR and negative 1071 DR. This was when the Untheric Empire came into being and with it, their pantheon. Tiamat became a part of this pantheon. Um, she was represented by a three-headed aspect of herself. Um, she was meant to be the chaos that balanced out the strict order of all of the other gods. So she was picked for it because of the chaos unfortunately for them while on the plane of ziggoraxis she was able to increase her strength so she just kept getting stronger and stronger and this intensified the worst traits of her um and she became something that they could no longer balance out it was at this point that bahamut joined the pantheon under the guise of marduk both of them now had a place in this pantheon, as well as their many human worshippers. And with this, they entered into a new period of intensity in the Dragonfall War. Um, they fought with each other constantly, both trying and failing to gain the upper hand or upper talon, I guess, since they're dragons. Nice. You're welcome. That was just for you. Did finger guns, <laughs> but you can't see me because my camera's not on. Because <laughs> this is a podcast. This is a podcast. Just know that they happen. 
Um, Tiamat actively worked against all of the other gods in this pantheon, which is what earned her the title Nemesis of the Gods from the Church of Enlil. So Enlil is the it's the he's the patriarch of the Untherian pantheon. Um, This also by her gaining this nickname and being, you know, having that kind of light shed on her allowed for them to use her as the okay. well, it's all Tiamat's fault. Anytime anything went wrong, that's the scapegoat. It had to have been her fault because of how she is. That yeah, I mean, and, and it's one of those like sort of like self fulfilling prophecy type things. Exactly. It's like everyone's exactly. against me. It's like, well, you started it by like being like evil, and so now everyone just blames you for everything bad that happens. Like, yeah, yeah, but, but it's, it's not, not all my, my fault. fault this time. Well, you shouldn't have been evil, and we wouldn't assume so. Like, well, that's uh, that's a good point though. Like, it isn't your fault, and but uh, you're also mm, evil to begin with. So, man. <laughs> so. Uh... In negative 1071 DR, a fight dubbed the Battle of the Gods occurred. Uh, this was during the Orc Gate Wars. During this fight, Ilnaval was fighting with Gilgayan, and Tiamat saw this as an opportunity to defeat Gilgayan. Um, she was thwarted by Marduk, whom we know to be her brother, um, and they both battled to the death. Um, both of their mortal aspects ended up dying, so they were stripped of their divine powers. Tiamat had so few followers left after this that she was reduced to being merely an arch fiend. Um, Gilgayam, however, went on to become a tyrannical god king, and he meant to rule forever under his not so great rulership. He's not a nice guy. And Thar's people didn't let her memory die though and continued to turn to her seeking help um throughout time in bator um asmodeus gives her rulership of um of avernus the first layer of hell her duty there is to prevent outcast demons on that layer from trying to rise above their stations he wanted her to keep them from getting too powerful and potentially becoming a threat because villain's gonna villain but they don't want anybody doing more villain than them um she failed miserably like i was gonna gonna say like if there's anything that evildoers hate more than do-gooders is that is other evildoers being more evil than them yeah when they're doer and more evilly that's a problem there's an easier way to say that let's go (laughs) let's continue So the thing is, though, she didn't didn't do so great. She failed miserably, um, literally did so poorly that he demoted her. <laughs> but he read her thoughts when this was happening and saw that she didn't do it like intentionally or, you know, she wasn't wasn't intentionally like trying to thwart him or trying to scheme anything. She just sucked at it. <laughs> basically so he allowed her to stay there without punishment and went as far as to allow her to attempt to regain her position so she could do so by guarding the gate to Dees um, or the second level of hell it stayed this way until 1346 dr the year of the bloodbird some cultists on toral had managed to summon her um, her aspect known as the dark lady showed up that's the one that would get me as we mentioned earlier, um, 
she immediately began inciting rebellions against the Church of Gilgayim all across Unther. So as I mentioned earlier, he wasn't exactly the nicest ruler, uh, very brutal, cruel, abusive, um, put himself in the position to be in that position permanently. So his people hated him. Um, Makes sense. Right. He was, they hated him so much that when she showed up, they were like, oh, thank gods. (laughs) Finally. So they flocked to the demigoddess in absolute droves. She used this time um, where her strength and her following were building to influence the cult of the dragon and their lich leader, Samaster, into finding the dragon rage mythal. So this is an effect that causes all dragons to become angrier, more volatile, more reckless, essentially makes all of them go into a rage. Sounds terrifying. So I'm actually, it sounds horrifying. I'm actually in the process of reading the novel regarding these years as we speak. Like it's on my bedside table. Um, So after... Al banished the gods from the plains. Um, This was after the time of troubles. The dark lady changed back into her three-headed form, which was familiar to the Anthurians. Unfortunately, as soon as she did that, she was very quickly slain by none other than God King Gilgayan himself. Gilgayan, what a cad he is. He's, yeah, he's a, he's a real winner. (laughs) He's a real winner, I'll tell you. Um, so he kills her. Her essence happens to survive this, though, but it's it's split into three pieces. So these three pieces come to inhabit her chosen. Chazar, the red dragon that we discussed earlier with the black accoutrement. Um, a green dragon called Scuthosian, and a blue dragon by the name of Justanius. There are so many names. Chazar happened to locate and eat the other two, though, which means all of her essence is now combined into the one, and it brought her five-headed form into existence, which is the strongest form of her. She used this form... The one we're most familiar with. Yeah, the one we are the most familiar with. She used this form to finally kill... Gilgayan, which led Ao to end the Untheric pantheon completely. Like, that's it. You guys. Like, I'm are... done. I'm done. I'm over you guys. I'm Nobody wants to listen. I'm going gonna home. turn this car around. <laughs> exactly. So, once again, Tiamat is a lesser deity. And yes, yes, she is back on her BS after that. I mean, yeah, it's. You're not just going to like knock someone like Tiamat down to lesser deity status and mm-hmm. not have them try to pull a stunt to get back to where they were exactly. before. Exactly. She uses y'all, this y'all power. Got my girl twisted. You got her messed up. So she uses this power to that she's gained from all of this to begin manifesting avatars again. Um, that is until one of them is killed by King Gareth Dragonsbane, who I talked about very briefly in the Shadowfell episode. He is the paladin king of Damara, whose soul was actually rescued 
and returned from the shadow fell. Um, so that's why he is significant. I'm not completely sure how, um, but this happened in 1359 DR, which is the year of the serpent. And he, he killed this, this avatar of her um, at the behest of her brother, Bahamut. See, he had sent the king to destroy the wand of Orcus, and to do so, he had to do it in her heart's blood. Makes sense. Per- right, makes perfect sense. Go kill my sister um, and stick this in her heart. Thanks. Yes, sir. <laughs> I'm on a, my way. A reasonable request of any brother. It is, it is, I mean, it does make sense. The sibling <laughs> rivalry is ridiculous. So following this... Um, this situation dragonsbane brought worship of bahamut back to his people in damara um which once again returned bahamut to the status of a lesser deity putting them on the same level again and yes that rivalry started up again and brought a new start to the dragonfall wars there you go so angered by this rise in status uh she released her dragon spawn and followers sending them to vasa to cause problems for the Church of Bahamut in Damara. And in doing so, she also happened to gain more followers within the cult of the dragon. He responded to her sending in her, you know, sending her guys in there um, by reviving the ancient species of dragonborn um, that are the dragonborn of Bahamut. By the year 1371 DR, which is the year of the unstrung harp, how boring must that year have been? See that's that's where you it's where you're, you're thinking you got your thinking wrong. That's the year where all the crazy stuff happens. The year. Oh, like, oh I well, I kind of want to say somebody's harp's not quite strung next time they're a little off. Got a screw loof. Oh man, her harp's not yeah. strung. Yeah, she's like we're dealing with an unstrung harp right here. Dealing with an unstrung harp. Um, <laughs> so in this year, Tiamat gained control of part of an entity called the Entropy of or sorry called entropy the primordial she used um the control of this portion to gain more followers and to expand that reach and it was in this year that she joined the Faerunian pantheon finally doing so because a because of the devotion gained from a cult in Luthchek. so she's been around for a hot minute for a long time um and her body's after all these things she's gone through begin to experience more pain more discomfort i get it like i'm there too um hard same tmi hard same i'm i get it i'm an old lady too i didn't realize i would be identifying with her but you know here we are so because the rise in followers, though, and the strength that she's gaining from that, she is once again revitalized, full of vigor, and ready to roll. But she knows that she's an arch fiend, which means she is somewhat mortal. So she's a becomes a lot less reckless, a lot more prudent in making decisions. Um, definitely has also become more paranoid now. She became so paranoid that she went as far as to lie to her clergy and followers telling them that oh yeah no that place in Avernus I'm not staying there anymore that's not my divine realm I packed up I headed out and I have a divine realm in Heliopolis so this is where she had had you know she has this supposed divine realm there right 
She's discovered to be lying by some members of the Twisted Rune who found that the only thing that she was keeping in the Grand Realm in Heliopolis is a Netherese Lich arch wizard called the Listener. So these members find out she's lying. They find him. They attempt to murder him and to take his magic. She does not take kindly to this. I mean, who would? retaliates by manifesting an aspect that took them over. She mind-controlled them and then forced them to murder as her role um, in his home on the Dragon Eyrie. Between her newly um, acquired help, that's what we'll we'll call her mind-controlled minions. Um, (laughs) Acquired help. She's acquired some help between them and the listener. She is able to take the body and the essence of Azarul along with all of his realm. All the while, while she's doing this and taking him as a puppet or a vessel, she's been building her true divine realm in the mountains in Avernus. It's just a ruse. And out of it, she got herself a new, uh, new vessel to use, a new car to drive, as it were. Two years later, the year 1373 DR, which is the year of rogue dragons, Samaster manages to alter the Draco Rage Mythal, causing permanent insanity to all dragons, unless they decide to become a Draco Lich. Those are your choices. Thanks, Master. Appreciate that. Appreciate it. During one of these um, Draco rages, it was the absolute worst one in Toril's history. Tiamat takes this moment to resurrect her fallen chosen, Chazar, Sculfosian, and Justanius. So she has them act on her behalf as her emissaries. So, so they've got all these dragons that are agreeing to be Draco liches. She has now risen them, risen her chosen from the dead. So undead, chosen of Tiamat, dragon emissaries is where we're at. Terrifying. It's terrifying. So using them, she expands her base and solidifies herself a place in Mulharand, Threskel, Chacinta, and Uther. With the, when the death of Samaster and the High Mage that was sustaining the Draco Rage Mythal happened um this puts tiamat in a defensive position at this point because this thing that's being utilized to manage things fails so she's open for attack at this point um this attack is launched on her within her territory that she's taken from as within the dragon eerie this assault is sent by her brother the goodest boy the goodest of boys. He is the goodest of boys. With the Dracorage Mythal destroyed, um, the prophecy of the Great Cycle comes to be. It comes to fruition. Dragons slowly begin to return to worshipping the gods um, due to their numbers having been so thinned by all of the rages and all of the... Because they're not going to... Folks aren't just going to let it happen. They're trying to stop it. They've lost so many in numbers. These dragons turn back to their gods seeking help. And in turn, our girl Tiamat gets some new converts from this. Nice. In the year, I mean, yeah, she's, I mean, it's kind of just bouncing back I and mean, forth. You gain some, you lose some. Yeah, I mean, like it's, you know, 
it's all part of the game, right? <laughs> it's all part of the game. So in the year 1374, which this title's going to blow you away when I tell you what happened this year. In the year of lightning storms, go ahead and guess. Lightning storms? Yeah. Good job. I'm so Ooh, proud. That was... I wasn't was ready a tough for a one. pop quiz. Yeah, I know this is a it's much more difficult than the D and D trivia, like the Trivial Pursuit. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> so, during this year, lightning and meteors are violently assaulting Faerun, which shocker. Um, that one was unintended, but I'll let you have it for free. During this time, both her and Bahamut sent out their followers to seek uh, different dragon eggs from specified locations. They're like, hey, go over here and steal this one for me. This happened to work better for her than it did for him. Um, her followers brought them back to Unthalas, which is the capital of Unther, in preparation for the Dragonfall War, which she is still bound and determined to try to defeat her brother and vice versa. Um, she sent much of her strength east to try to conquer in that direction, but found that it wasn't as easily done as she had anticipated, and only Chazar was met with success. He secured his place in Chacinto, um, while Mulhrond was busy and distracted trying to conquer Unther. Tiamat found herself um, <laughs> with a tentative ally in an ancient blue Dracolich whose name gave me the giggles for a solid 10 minutes because I'm a child. You literally messaged me and was like, <laughs> I get to say this name on this week's episode. It was not a brag. I need you to understand that I looked at That's it. That's how I read it. That's how oh, I read it. Oh, no. You were Toad. like, hey, I, was hey, like, I, I get I... all the fun stuff. No, my brain went, oh, I get to try to say this out loud. And we know I am not good at pronunciations. Let's okay. So I have it. I have in my head how it's pronounced. Let's hear what. <laughs> let's hear. What I you have. read it as Alaskler Ban Bastos. Yeah, pretty much like Alaskler Ban Bastos. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's how I see. I mean, just kind of like it was kinda, just like, just scrolling cool. along, and that's the name that pops up, and my brain equated it to a Shaggy song. So <laughs> you can see that. It would not stop. So anyway, this is this is the blue dracolich that rules Threskal. Um, he allowed her church to be built there. They gained a stronghold there for a moment or two, but that was also short-lived. So whatever gains that Tiamat may have had during this time, she just kept taking on more and more losses. Like it was not balancing out. Um, one of these losses during the was that during the spell plague, the body of her puppet as a rule was very badly wounded and happened to fall into the hands of none other than Bane and the realm that she had taken of his was dissolved. Disappearance of Tamanshvar. I, I love how like, I mean, obviously like that was like you mentioned that at the beginning of the episode. Mm -hmm. And so like to have that come back, you know, mm -hmm. in this, in this part of the history and this part of the lore is cool, but I can only imagine that in like in the timeline, those things are separated by years, if not decades, if not centuries. They, are. they absolutely and are. So there's, having there's... that like sort of callback is just chef's kiss. It's yeah. Oh, it everything kind of comes back and plugs into it. And a lot of her history was very woven around each other. So there was a lot of a lot of untangling. And that's why I chose to break it up the way that I did, because that made the most sense. Here's the breakdown. Here's the in-depth. 
because it's a lot. <laughs> right. So with the disappearance of Taman Shabar at this, excuse me, at this time, um, she also lost some of her largest bastions of faithful when this happened because the realm was ripped and yeeted across time and space. And in that place, um, she found that the people that replaced them in that area were not friends of hers. They also became enemies. At this point in time, entropy also ceased to be a vessel for her, um, which cut her off and left her powerless in Luthchek. So she's just losing one right after the other. All of these little, all these little pieces like, that she had put into place like right everything that she had earned or or, mm-hmm. or won or you know tricked exactly. people out of did something you know right like one She'd way or another s- by hook or crook like these yes. things were under her control and now like she's starting to lose them lose little by little. lose these pieces one at a time one at a time all of these little losses absolutely take a toll on her in 1479 dr the year of the ageless one chazar conquered thriskel he took it for himself but this win was also short-lived as it drew him into a war with the Iberian nation of the Manther. It was during this time that he is actually killed. So her top guy gets taken out in addition to everything else. And that's the key. That's the crack in the armor. Her number one guy. Mm-hmm. The chosen that had been the most successful. You are my number one guy. That's from Batman 1989. That reference, I knew. Did you? Yeah. Awesome. Oh, I love Batman. I made a bat signal for my wall. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Are you kidding me? <laughs> no, I, I swear. It's a snare drum. It's a real weird situation. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> this guy, her number one guy, dies. Her forces begin to fall apart. It seemed like he was like that last little thread that was holding it all together for her. While all these things are happening for her, her brother's power has continued to grow. It only kept on after he became Torm's subordinate. Once again, putting a stall to the Dragon War. Because her stuff's falling apart. At least they're at least only fighting with each other when they're balanced, I guess. I mean, maybe. <laughs> I mean, I think they they both secretly, you know, don't want the other one to, you know, they don't want to win because then, like, you know, Bahamut, like, then if what? you're if you're this do gooder, like, you know, what, you know, what do you do when all evil is vanquished? I do appreciate the lawfulness of it, though, that like when he's weaker, she doesn't seek him out then, and vice versa, because there is a lawfulness to their goodness and their evilness which i do appreciate that very much in this it doesn't seem as reckless as some of the other heavy hitter stories um so once again this the dragon war has come to a stop right for for now out in banehold which is the outer plane of existence um it's this inhospitable place of black sand deserts massive dark granite plains and there's no water to drink save for that from the blood river or as we might know it the river sticks no sunlight shows there in the blood red vault of the sky and bane finds out that as a rule has merely been a vessel for tiamat for a very long time 
and he enslaves this puppet of her. So she's she's pissed. She is absolutely livid about this, but she's also otherwise occupied and overwhelmed with things going on in other areas, you know, with all of her plans crumbling around her. I could see how she'd be like, you know what? I'm not going to fight with them on this. Right, right. She... Bigger fish, she remains, fish to fry sort of thing. Exactly. So she remains loyal. She serves him in spite of his harassment. She uses this time, however, to learn his secrets, gain information about him, which she then passes to Asmodeus. During the following decade, she managed to take Azarul's broken body back from Bane. And when she did so, she took a lot of Bane's divine energy. She used this to mend her puppet and increase her own powers once again. Seeing this happen pleased Asmodeus. He offered her rulership in Avernus once again. But this time she declined. She was, again, she had become more careful, more, you know, more collected. Um, she didn't want to disappoint Asmodeus again by failing and also did not want to conflict with Bell. So instead, she offers to be the champion of Asmodeus and that she would devour all that opposed him. All the while, she is giving information on Bell to Zariel in order to keep Bell from becoming too powerful. Again, got to keep our other evils in check. Exactly. And since all agreements and arrangements, bargains and deals struck in hell are absolutely binding, she is required to do whatever she is told to do as his champion. She was placed directly under Bell, um, which she initially tried to resist. And when she was resisting him thusly, she managed a glimpse inside of his mind. It allowed her to see that he had been directed by Asmodeus to imprison her in her divine realm from keeping in order to keep her from getting too ambitious. You see the common theme here? We're all evil, but I'm going to need you to be a little less evil than me because I've got to be the biggest. I've got to be the most evil for sure. Exactly. She's angered and betrayed by this. So she instructs her followers to assemble the mask of the dragon queen. This is an item that would finally free her from the nine hells. Severin Silrajan, the leader of the Cult of the Dragon, was able to successfully assemble this mask, and Tiamat's temple was brought from Avernus to the Well of the Dragons. This is the uh, fortress um, that the Cult of the Dragon keeps that is built into a dormant volcano that was also once a dragon graveyard. However... Every... Hold on. Everything about that sentence just got more and more awesome as it continued i know i i was like oh that's yeah okay well of dragons that's a cool name oh it's a fortress built into a dormant volcano sweet on a dragon graveyard yep that is haunted a f absolutely yep however they are defeated here once again and tiamat is banished back to the nine hells and that's where we're at now as far as team up goes Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that's uh i can't 
I now I didn't realize that they're re-releasing Tyranny of Dragons. I guess you know collecting both parts of the campaign, and mm-hmm. I'm so excited now because now I just want to play it more than ever. I yeah, everything about it has just been has been fantastic. I've pulled a lot from it for one of the campaigns that I run, and it was like list like reading that I was like, oh yeah, I need to I need to I need to DM this. <laughs> Like, this needs to be a thing. We need to experience this. We need to feel this, like, to my group. I'm like, I got it. I figured it out. Let's go. Let's go. Let's do this. Let's go. I'm ready. Well, thank you so much for listening Ooh. to the Dungeons & Dragons Lorecast this week, for allowing us to be a part of your life, at least for the hour plus. This is a pretty chonky episode. This is a thick episode, yeah. We hope to uh, yeah. have you join us next week and in the weeks to follow. As we dive into more D&D lore, my name is Sergio. And I am Mary. Fare thee well, dear listener, and until we meet again, may all your 20s be natural. Thanks for listening to the Dungeons & Dragons Lorecast. If you've enjoyed the show, please consider sharing it with a friend, following us on Twitter at DndLorecast, or jumping on the Robots Radio Discord to chat more with us about Dungeons & Dragons. We'll talk to you next time. Listening to a Robots Radio podcast. Smart shows for interesting people. Check out all the shows at robotsradio.com.